Some of the topics discussed on Blackbird, an advocacy podcast, may be difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, Blackbirds, it is Sarah again, and this time I have Dan with me. Hi, everybody. Did you miss me? I think they did. It's been a while. We haven't gotten a lot of listens on my uh, solo episode from the other day, so I think oh. I think they heard in the beginning that I didn't have you there, and they were like, shutting it off. <laughs> we hate Sarah. Wah, we love wah, Dan. Wah. But I don't blame you guys, so. <laughs> she technically loves me, too. Yes, technically. <laughs> as far as the state of New York is concerned. <laughs> so, this is episode 43. And we are continuing through the month of April with stories surrounding sexual assault. Dan was not on episode 42 with me. So to recap for everyone out there who didn't decide to listen to me solo and for Dan, April is sexual assault awareness month. So all month long, we are bringing episodes revolving around sexual assault cases. Anything that has to do with sexual assault cases. So that could be something that involves murder. It could be something that involves domestic violence. uh, But everything, the central theme is sexual assault for the, the month. We also have a very special 50th episode coming up. And I really, really, really want to close out April with it. So we're going to try our hardest to get the rest of the 40s out through the month. So we could be doing double, triple episodes a week. They're not going to all include Dan. I did mention that on the last episode. I just made a face at her. (laughs) If Dan is not available and I can record, I'm just going to record on my own. And you'll have to endure just me solo. My apologies to everyone who Mm -mm -mm. wants just dan i don't know if dan will ever do a uh, solo episode just dan (laughs) for those that didn't get that that was uh lady gaga's just dance (laughs) good job babe so with that we are going to get into today's case ready I'm ready. Dan and I just ate dinner, so... You might hear my stomach. It is very loud. That's all we're hearing. I apologize. It's very loud. We'll try to cover it. <laughs> okay. Here we go. 23-year-old Wharton School graduate student Shannon Scheiber had been living in an apartment in Center City, Philadelphia. On May 6th, 1988... Shannon made plans to go to dinner with her brother, who was coming to visit. But later that night, she told her brother to come the next day for lunch instead, because she needed to study for exams. However, on that night, one of her neighbors heard screaming coming from her apartment. He had called 911 to report what he had heard, and that he felt police were needed on the scene. He told 911 dispatch that he heard someone screaming help and that he had heard a choking sound. Officers arrived on the scene about 10 minutes later, but the sounds coming from Shannon's apartment had stopped. 
The officers knocked on her door. But when they got no answer and heard no response, they felt it did not warrant any further investigation. Uh, are you getting me? Yep. So that's how our someone story was begins. screaming help and it sounded like someone was being choked. But you figured, nah, it's all good now. Right. The person's not dead or anything. The person's just resolved the issue. Wow, that's great police work. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah. And the neighbor was like adamant about the fact that he heard this coming right. from the apartment and, and really was doing his due diligence and was like, I need to call 911 because this yeah. does not sound. She lived alone. And he never right. heard he never heard sounds like this coming from her apartment before. So he was like, something's wrong. This doesn't sound right. Yeah. And yeah, called the police. And the police arrived. They knocked on his door. He explained what he had heard and why he called. And then they went to her apartment, knocked on her door. I guess called her name or something, whatever they're supposed to do. Um, I guess informed her, you know, it's police, open up, whatever. Got no response, so they were like, oh, well, nothing's wrong here, and then left. It's completely ridiculous. Yes. That's completely ridiculous. Yep. Like, it's one thing to say, like, okay, look, we can't obligate citizens to be heroes, so, like, you're tempted to say, like, oh, well, the guy should have kicked the door down and beat the perpetrator up, but, like, you can't obligate people to that, because not everyone has those capabilities. Right. And, frankly, you don't know what you're stepping into, so even if you're, like, literally an MMA champion fighter and you kick the door down to save this girl you there could be three guys with guns oh absolutely you can't obligate people to help but you know you can obligate people (laughs) to help the police right that's literally your job yeah i mean the again the neighbor did his due diligence the neighbor did exactly what he was supposed to do in that in a situation like that um so good on you neighbor yeah um for calling the police and and feeling like this wasn't a right situation because a lot of people will hear sounds and stuff and think oh well it's just it's probably just nothing it's probably just a domestic situation she's probably just in a fight with her boyfriend right but he knew he was like i've known her long enough to know that this does not sound normal yeah and it turned out it wasn't normal The neighbor ended up thinking nothing of it because why not? The police told him it was fine. So he probably was like, okay, I guess maybe like she went to sleep. I don't know. So he decided to go back to sleep. The next day, May 7th, Shannon's brother showed up to her apartment around noon expecting to go to lunch with her. When he arrived and knocked on the door, he received no answer. And the same neighbor from the night before saw her brother attempting to get into the apartment and communicate with his sister. He approached and explained to the brother what he had heard the night before and what had transpired when the police were dispatched. Fearing the worst, her brother broke her apartment door down. And... Upon entering her bedroom, found Shannon dead. It has been speculated that the officers who were at Shannon's apartment the night before did not do enough and should have done more to prevent Shannon's death. Suspected? Yeah. Well, 
just wait till you hear the police department's response to this. Shannon's father spoke with People magazine, saying, quote, The hardest thing to accept is that our daughter did everything she could to call for help. Think if it was your daughter calling out for help and the police just walked away. End quote. Not only was there speculation from the community and those who heard the story, but also from Shannon's family that the police should have done more. However, the department itself issued a statement saying that the officers who went to Shannon's apartment followed protocol and were not legally allowed to enter the apartment because they themselves did not have probable cause. Bullshit. (laughs) Right. Not even a little true. Unfortunately, having the neighbor be a witness to hearing Shannon's cries for help does not warrant probable cause, according to who uh, them i don't know it has been said that shannon's rapist and murderer was in the apartment while the police were outside knocking on the door right i don't so i don't care what procedure says like there's no no right (laughs) you have probable cause that's a fact and to be honest with you even if they didn't have enough cause to go to like knock down the door at least look in the windows not even well yeah okay if you can look in the windows go up the fire escape look in the windows whatever you can do but go speak to the super and say hey you have authority to enter this apartment can you please go in or let let us in he doesn't even the super doesn't even have to go into the apartment right but he has the authority to do so because he that's just that's his job that's his duty right so he could open that door for the police. Yeah, absolutely. The police don't have to necessarily knock down the door or, or right. you know, get their guns going or anything like that. But they just have the simple responsibility to ask the person who can go into the, the uh, apartment for access. Right. Period. Right. That's how simple it is. So all they had to do was go find the super, ask for a key to be entered in, to be let into the apartment and... They either could have helped Shannon if if the perpetrator had left by that point. Maybe they could have helped her had she maybe she wasn't dead yet. Dead yet. Right. Or they could have entered and caught the perpetrator right there in the middle of the crime. Yeah. But the PD was like, no, they did. They did everything by the book. Well, then the book is wrong. Right. Either (laughs) Either they didn't do it by the book or the book is wrong. And look, here's the thing. At the end of the day, the police are there to serve the public, right? So we're not there to, you know, the people don't serve the police. The police serve the people, any government agency. Correct. Every single government agency, every single government employee is there to serve the people. That's why they get paid by the people out of the tax dollars that come out of the people's paychecks. Right. So at the end of the day, if you have absolutely any motivation other than I want to help people, you shouldn't be in that job. Agreed. And I don't care what the procedure says. Frankly, if if I honestly, if I'm a police officer and I show up and I legitimately think, wow, I think something is going wrong here. And there's literally a procedure that says, that says you can't enter the building or you'll lose your job. I would enter the building and lose my job. Because I'm there specifically to help people. The one issue with that, and I agree 100%, the one issue with that is the fact that if they were to enter not by the book, it would technically be illegal entry. Right. And it would not be able to be admitted into court 
if some evidence was you know yeah right so there's that's why there's protocol in place to ensure that they get the 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 proper um they go through the proper channels in order to get everything set properly for trial to actually convict a defendant so that's the only issue however if you are a police officer and you get a phone call that someone is screaming for help I don't think it should matter if you heard it yourself or right. not. Absolutely. Especially if you are now going to that apartment and you're hearing nothing. Right. If you say right. that you're at this apartment after after the neighbor heard screams for help and right. a choking sound. Right. And you're now knocking on the door and you're hearing silence. Right. That should be probable cause that to enter. That is probable cause. That is probable cause. <laughs> that should be a trigger in your head going, Yes. This does not sound right. Right. I'm going to enter because I believe something is wrong. Right. Exactly. 100%. It doesn't matter if you hear a scream or not. Right. Or, you know, not saying that this should happen, but you could also lie and say to your fellow officer mm -hmm. oh hey did you hear that i heard that all the it happens time. all the time it really does it happens all the time to get people convicted oh yes mm -hmm. cops plant drugs all the time and no i'm not just saying on like tv and bullshit i literally have watched countless videos of actual body cams from actual police officers where they've literally planted evidence yeah yeah so, you know, and didn't realize the body cam was going. Right. And then suddenly someone else, you see another officer walk up to them and cover the body cam. And then you hear muffled sounds and then the video ends. Right. Cops bend the rules quite a lot. So why not bend the rules the for right a good reason? Exactly. Exactly. Though there was DNA left at the scene of Shannon's murder... Authorities were not able to connect that DNA to any person in particular. Now, remember, this is 19... What did I say? 1998? Did I say 88 earlier? I did. Scratch that. That's This is 1998. Uh, I was do When I wrote this script, I was doing um, text... Speech to text. And apparently... Uh, Microsoft Word does not pick up my New York accent very well. So uh, it's 1998, 1998, not 88. So anyway, so this is 1998. So DNA, you know, is still a new thing. They're still trying to figure out how to get matches and, and, and what the laws are surrounding, like getting DNA from people and stuff like that. So they had the DNA from the scene, but they didn't have anyone that it matched. So with DNA, you have to have a match in, like, in the system already in order to get it to match. You can't just like miraculously be like, oh, hey, it matches this random person because we felt like it matched this person. That's not how it works. So they didn't have anybody in the system that was a match to it. However... The DNA found at her scene was linked to other rapes that had happened in Center City dating back to 1997, so a year prior. Center City, Philadelphia had a serial rapist. Over the span of two years, 1997 to 1999, 
The center city rapist raped six women, including Shannon, who was the only one of his victims that he killed. Shannon was also his next to last victim. They do not know why she ended up being the only murder victim. We can only speculate. Uh, Yeah, I mean, true. We can only speculate. My speculation would strongly be that he messed something up, that maybe he normally like gags them. And in this case, he didn't gag her or she pulled the gag out and was able to scream for help. And so he figured, oh, shit, I got to kill her now. Or she ripped his mask off and saw his face or something like that. Right. Exactly. I mean, I would would assume that if he were a serial rapist, then he does it with some kind of face covering. I mean, you don't assault someone and allow yourself to be identified and get away with it for very long. Oh, you'll hear. I know. I know. You'll hear why he got away with it for so long. (sighs) And you're going to you're going to be such a big fan of the police even more than you are right now. God. And again, I know that in a lot of our episodes, we talk about like we, we we kind of bash the police but, like, seriously, dude. And here's the thing. And we've, we've <laughs> made this disclaimer before that we, we don't think that every police officer is a D-bag. And we don't think that every police officer is incompetent. No. And we don't believe that every police officer should be removed from their job. No. There are plenty of cops who are great people who genuinely want to help the community. Um, but in cases like these, 90% of the time, it just so happens to turn out that the cops effed up. It's very rare that the cops did everything that they could and it went south anyways. Right. 90% of the time in cases like this, the cops did some bullshit like this. Yep. So. And it'll it'll just get worse. Two more years went by without any leads and hardly any information about who this rapist might be. Authorities did speak to one person in particular who I don't know if they considered to be a suspect specifically or just a person of interest, but they ended up letting him go. Great, of course. In September of 2001, a huge break in the case came when police in Fort Collins, Colorado, linked a series of sexual assaults that occurred near the Colorado State University campus to the ones that occurred in Philadelphia. So now we're spanning from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, all the way to Fort Collins, Colorado. Like, that's across the country. Yes. The DNA from the Fort Collins crime scenes matched the DNA from the Center City rape cases, and authorities found that circumstances surrounding both series of assaults were extremely similar. The Fort Collins assaults took place all in the year 2001, from May 10th through August 23rd. Authorities were able to connect a man named Troy Graves to the Fort Collins rapes and found that his DNA matched those from the Fort Collins crime scenes as well as the Center City crime scenes, including that from Shannon's murder. And remember when I mentioned the police in Philadelphia had spoken to somebody in connection with the assault that occurred in Center City? Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Can you guess who that was? Who was that? Troy Graves. The man that it actually was 
So they committed actually the spoke to the the guy. Yep. Wow. They spoke to him. Great in, job. In connection to the assaults in Philadelphia. And ruled him out as a suspect. Ruled him out, let him go. Wow, good job, guys. And then he ended up going to Colorado. And doing it more. And committed more crimes. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Great police work. He was, um, oh God, hold on. He was in the Air Force. That's why he was at Fort Collins. And um, I believe uh, his wife actually kind of like nudged the police in his direction. Wow. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. So good on you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you suspect that he's doing these things, you shouldn't really be his wife anymore. But no, okay, I, fair enough. I don't think she suspected him. I think when I think so there was something that was going on with the sketches of of what people thought that he looked like. Okay. Um, they thought that he was either a light skinned black man or a darker skinned white man. So he was in that like uh-huh. in between right. skin color. And, like, these sketches were coming out, and I think she saw the sketch, if I'm not mistaken, and was like, okay, wait, that looks similar to my husband, and, like, these dates kind of sound suspicious, and so I think she, like, put two and two together. That's gotta be pretty freaky. And the was like... The light bulb goes off in your um, head? I think my husband is a serial rapist. Jeez. Yeah. So, um, and then they were able to connect his DNA and, uh, and fingerprints to one of the crime scenes. Wow. And that's so crazy. that's that's how they got him. It was absolutely amazing that, that must have she been devastating for the wife. Right? I, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine finding out anything like that about you. No. <laughs> no, I that's gotta be crazy. That's just yeah. So they couldn't specifically connect him at the time to the center city rapes, and that's kind of why they just like let him go. But why did it take so long to find Troy Graves and link him to the rapes in Center City specifically? Well, this is where you're going to love the Philadelphia PD even more. Philadelphia police officers decided to mislabel two of the women's claims of sexual assault. Makes sense. When a report is made with the police department, any police department under the sun, the officer who's taking the report has to label it on the report. In two of the instances where the center city rapist had committed sexual assaults, the police department did not feel they were worth investigating and tossed the cases aside. I believe they labeled them as like just home invasions and burglaries. So they were like, meh, nonviolent, doesn't matter. So they Jeez. didn't even know technically that they that had a serial there was a rapist. Connection here. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Even better police work. Yep. So they weren't able to even warn the city. That right. there was a serial rapist. Right. Because according to them, that didn't exist. Wow. There was none. So that's why they couldn't figure all of this out and piece it all together because they just brushed these all under the rug, essentially. Yeah. And we had heard that in one of the other cases that we did, one of our early, early cases, that the police department did that. They mislabeled somebody. They put it under miscellaneous because they just didn't want to bother. Sexual assaults cost so much money because there's so much investigation that has to be done and a lot of times officers just don't want to deal with it 
Right. So they just say, oh, it's not actually a sexual assault. We're going to put it as something else. It's an easier thing to file. It's an e- easier case to deal with. We're not going through all of the protocol of right. what we would need to if it were labeled a sexual assault. Those people should not be police officers. Right? That's insane. So, yeah. So he was able to rape more women. He was able to move to a different state and rape multiple women there. Because Philadelphia decided they just didn't care that they had a rapist. Wow. On their hands. Yep. (sighs) Well, we're never living in Philly. At least not in 1998. Yes, not in 1998. (laughs) So ultimately, Troy Graves was arrested on April 23rd, 2002. He pleaded guilty to all of the Fort Collins assaults on May 17th, 2002, and to the Center City assaults and the murder of Shannon on May 30th, 2002. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, and he is currently incarcerated in Sterling Correctional Facility in Sterling, Colorado. So he took a plea deal. In order to avoid the death penalty. Fine, whatever. He's still incarcerated for life. Right. What's funny is that he is he's supposed to be serving his life sentence in Colorado first for the crimes in Colorado. And then after he serves his life sentence in Colorado, then he'll serve his life sentence for the crimes in Philadelphia because right. he pled to those after right but like how funny is that like yeah. after you serve a life sentence so gonna, you have to serve another life sentence like, transfer a ghost right to the other uh... yeah so anyway he'll he'll be he'll be in in prison for for life unless Two some lines. random appeal happens and i don't expect that to happen so right but then still he has to appeal it twice <laughs> yeah he's yes got two yeah. Life sentences. <laughs> yeah um i don't know actually though if he maybe um also waived his rights to appeals because sometimes they do that in plea deals also right um right. so anyway he's, he's not eligible for parole at all so he's Good. he's he's in there for life so how, since how yeah. old was he when he when he went in he was 30 good so he's gonna spend most of his life in jail correct Uh, So since these crimes took place and the backlash the Philadelphia PD endured, they have since re-examined their protocol and procedures in sexual assault cases and have done their due diligence to truly help victims of these crimes. So they have done an overhaul to really try to uh, correct their transgressions. Hopefully it works. (laughs) Hopefully it works. So that is it for today's case. Today's miscarriage of justice. Correct. That's ridiculous, man. Yeah. That's completely ridiculous. I mean, think about how many of these women's lives would not have been ruined had the police department actually done their job the the way that they were supposed to. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. And like, you know... The value of doing a podcast like this isn't so that we can talk about bad things happening. It's so that people who need to hear about bad things happening realize how bad things are. Right. Now, in this case, you know, 
you said that reforms were put in place, and I can only hope that they had the impact that they needed to. Mm -hmm. But, you know, hopefully someone in Philadelphia law enforcement is hearing this right now, or someone's sister or or brother or cousin is hearing this right now and and tells them hey you know how are things there have have things gotten better in this regard and if they have then okay great and if they haven't then hopefully that person could say no not really and the listener can say to them well what do you plan to do about it and maybe that's the spark that gets them to go to their captain or their sergeant or whatever and say hey man listen i just heard about this case that happened 20 years ago and I know that six months ago, basically the same shit was happening. Right. So are we doing anything about this? Is there any kind of task force on this? Right. Yeah. That, that's the hope. I mean, I know it's a fucking pipe dream, it, right. but maybe, <laughs> maybe. Another thing <sighs> I want to point out, too, is not only in this case, but in other cases, when I try... So I don't ever want to... When I post it on social media, I don't ever want to give the perpetrator the... Um, the attention by putting his picture everywhere. A lot of true crime podcasts will do that. They'll put the, the picture of the perpetrator, multiple pictures of the perpetrator up on social media. So fine. It's it. I don't have an issue with that. You know, people get to see who that person is, whatever, but I want to put the picture up of the victim. The victim. Right. I, I want to give the victim that's their day. That's I the want, person that deserves to be Yes, remembered. I want them to have social media f- find their picture and say, look at what a beautiful person this was. Let's remember him or her. Yeah. Not only in this case, but in others, I have a very hard time sometimes finding pictures on the internet of the victim. When I'll search, it'll come up as the perpetrator's picture. Right. So I had a very, I couldn't even find pictures of Shannon. Yeah, which is ridiculous. So unfortunately, I'm not able to post a, fi- a picture of her. If I find one, I will. I'll, po- I'll post it for sure. But I have not been able to find anything. It's all yeah. pictures of him. Yeah. And that's not fair. No, it's not That's fair. not fair to it's her. It's not fair. And I understand not finding pictures of the other assault victims because they're rape victims. They don't want to necessarily have the, the, the spotlight. Right. They don't want to carry that. You know, for lack of a better word, shame with them. Right. You know. Um. So, I, I get that, but we should be able to remember the yes. murder victim. Absolutely. Um. It just uh. There, there's an investigation discovery show. Uh. People investigates, and it's all about People Magazine. Um. Investigating crimes. If you guys find that episode and watch it, um, you will see pictures of, of Shannon. Um, but even in the article from People Magazine that I looked up to to this that discussed that episode of Investigation Discovery's show, still did not have a picture of Shannon. <laughs> so I, I, it's just it, it, it makes me a little angry um, because they're the people that we should be giving the attention to, not the assholes who commit the crimes. So that's just a little piece, a little aside that I wanted to to provide. Yeah. So if you or someone you know um, is a victim or was a victim of sexual assault, 
Uh, You can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline 1-800-656-4673 or go to RAIN.org, R-A-I-N-N.org, or you can text the Crisis Text Line at 741741, or you can go to their website at crisistextline.org. If you or someone you know wants to share a story on Blackbird, you can email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And you can find all of our socials at our bite size, B-Y-T-E-S-I-Z-E dot M-E slash Blackbird Advocacy. Do you have any final words? Nothing I haven't said a hundred times before. (laughs) This is bullshit. And if you're in this kind of job for anything other than absolutely 100% helping other people, quit now. Quit now. There are plenty of jobs that you can do and make a lot of money being totally selfish like you are. Uh, Do not, do not become a police officer unless you are absolutely willing to commit 100% of your life to helping other people. And you know what? I get it if you have a family that you need to protect your family and shit like that. But when you put the uniform on, the, the, the citizens are your family. Yeah. I don't care if your shift is almost over. I don't care if it's dangerous. I don't care if you're hot or you don't feel good. You have to be prepared to help other people for absolutely 100% of the time that that, that that uniform is on you. And if you're not prepared for that, you cannot do that job. And you need to put your biases aside. Mm-hmm. Absolutely 100% you need to put your biases aside. It is not your place to be judge and jury. That's not what you are there for. Right. You are there to be an impartial crime fighter. Right. (laughs) You're there to enforce the laws as they're written. And that's it. Correct. So with that, oh, bless you, Dino. (laughs) Stay safe. Be aware of your surroundings. Get the vaccination when you are eligible and continue to social distance when you can and follow the CDC guidelines because they have new ones, but still social distance. I cannot believe that we still have to say this. Mm -hmm. This is nuts. I'm not going to go down a whole diatribe for the next five minutes about this because I know that's not what this podcast is about. But (laughs) come on, people. Not you guys. You guys are awesome. But go to your jobs and tell your 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 coworkers and your friends and everybody else to chill out. I cannot believe that this is still a thing. All right. Well, that's it. And uh, we will be heard by you um, hopefully in another couple of days. At least I will be. And then uh, maybe we'll have Dan again for, for the next uh, weekend episode. And also, um, this is being released on Easter. So happy Easter to all of our um, Easter celebrating friends and also um, happy Passover. Yeah, and if you're not celebrating Easter, go eat some chocolate anyway because chocolate is yummy. Yeah, get it, get it, get Reese's eggs because those oh are the best. Oh my God, get Reese's eggs. Don't get peeps. No, God, no, don't get peeps, please. Get Reese's Ooh. eggs, even if you're lactose intolerant. Yes. Just eat one anyways. It's Honestly, worth it. it's I know you're going to so be a little sick. It. It's okay. It's so worth it. I'm going to be so sick tomorrow. Mm, it's yummy. totally fine. Okay. Bye. See ya. Hey, 
everyone. I am Nick. And I'm Russ. And if you're looking for a podcast about current events that's well-informed, highly educated, and safe to share with your whole family, that's not us. Nope, it's not. But here at the Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything podcast, we have an opinion about everything and don't mind sharing it. That we do. New episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. Check us out at nickandrust.com. And find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more, including YouTube. Thank you, and I love you all. We are Pod Jerky, two Canadian buddies serving up multi-flavored audio jerky in every episode. If you like good times, strong coffee, maple syrup, swamp donkeys, hockey, the outdoors, common sense, dogs, conspiracy theories, sports, and life in general, then subscribe and follow our podcast and check out our social media channel at Pod Jerky. Pod Jerky. Make it a double.